Okay, we are in, in Matthew chapter 1, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 5, and last time we, we covered verses 1 through 6 of Matthew chapter 5. And remember, Matthew chapter 5, this section on the Beatitudes, this is not particularly Christian ethics, or Christian ethics for our day. This was to show the children of Israel, to show the listeners of that day what it would be like if they took the 613 commandments of Moses for law and really lived this out, what it was supposed to do in their lives. However, the principles that are here are good for us today. And let's begin to look at these. So we are in verse 6 of Matthew chapter 5. I'm sorry, we're in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Everything in this portion is different than our own nature. This is completely opposite to our own nature. Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. These are the words that He begins to speak with us. You want to receive mercy? He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You know, on, on, the, on the top of all my exams, I, I put a scripture verse. And one day, in the first year that I was teaching, I, I got this exam back. And at, at the top of the exam booklet where they had written, it had this verse, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So that, that was a very fitting verse. Um, if, if, you, if you turn with me to... Um, let's, let's look in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, we even see an expansion upon this concept of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, the Scriptures say. And in Luke chapter 6, reading from verse... Uh, Verse 36, Luke 6, 36. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you want to receive mercy in your life, be merciful. Mercy, the scriptures say, triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, many times we cry out for justice. But when it comes to our own life, we don't want justice, we want mercy. Because if we were to really get what we deserve in certain situations, we don't really want that. We want mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It says in this portion in Luke chapter 6, verse 36... Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And then he expands upon that. He says, don't judge, 
and you won't be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. This verse 38 is often used in the context of giving money. Maybe it applies to that too, but it is not issued in the context of giving money. It is issued in the context of being merciful and of judgment and of condemnation and of pardoning. Verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Remember in the Scriptures the pattern of sowing and reaping. You do not reap the same amount that you sow. That would really be unproductive for a farmer. If he sowed a hundred seeds of corn and he yielded a hundred seeds of corn. You sow a hundred seeds of corn and you probably get a hundred thousand seeds of corn in return. You receive a hundred thousand fold. When you sow, so do you reap. Many, many times over. What you give, it will be given to you in return. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For it, it's, it talks about this running over. It says, they will pour into your lap a good measure. You sow one seed of mercy, you receive so much back. This pattern of sowing and reaping is clear in the Scripture. You sow kindness, you reap kindness. You sow judgment, you reap judgment. Some people are like, why am I always being judged? Well, remember that time you judged that person? You have 100,000 judgments you now have to go through because of your judgment of that person. Oh. What you sow, you reap many times over. May God protect us from judgment. May He protect us from judgment. You know, I heard some folks talking about basketball players. Basketball players, professional basketball players, are not generally, you know, the models for society. And, and the amazing thing, in my mind, though, is that they're not worse than they are. You take an 18-year-old and you give them a $100 million contract and you tell them that they are wonderful and wonderful and wonderful and so great, it's amazing that they're not worse than they are as far as models for society. You know, we can always look at it in another way. When we sow judgment, we reap judgment. When we sow mercy, we reap mercy. You show a little bit of mercy. God have mercy on that man they've done wrong, but have mercy on them. You will reap back many times over mercy. You know, there's this woman who was always mean and hard. And interestingly, her children grew up mean and hard. So mean and hard that when her children visit the city in which she lives, they do not even want to stay in the same home with her. And she wonders why they don't want to stay with her. Could it be that she's reaping what she sowed? Remember, the things that we do, we reap back 
many, many times over. He says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. When you walk in forgiveness, you receive forgiveness. When you hold a grudge, many will hold a grudge against you. This is the pattern of sowing and reaping. There are things that will come in your lives and in our lives. And we will reap exactly what we have sown. The scriptures say, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And it will pour out. It will just absolutely pour out into your lap. In the same way that you give it out, you shall receive it. Let's look back in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the merciful in verse 7. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is totally contrary to our human nature. Our human nature is totally different than this. Well, he said that to me. Well, wait until he hears what I say back to him. And it's really easy with email. Because you don't see their face. But remember, email is an extension of our speaking more than it is of our writing. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. We looked at some of this last week in another context. But in 1 Peter chapter 3. And you see again, this now is Christian ethics, instruction in Christian ethics for our day. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. To sum up, all of you, be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult but giving a blessing instead, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. You want to inherit a blessing? I want to inherit a blessing. If you don't want to inherit a blessing, you know what I have to say to that? Lord, the blessing that they might have been able to inherit, give it to me if they don't want it. I'll take it. I'll gladly take it. You want to inherit a blessing? It says, this is how you do it. Don't return insult for insult. Let it go. Give a blessing instead. So you're insulted, give a blessing instead. You return a blessing for an insult. Somebody says something to you you don't like. God bless you. God bless you. And go. God bless you. And then move on. Return a blessing instead of returning an insult. In verse, verse 9 it then says, For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ear, is attendant, his ear tends to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 
Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? So you see what Jesus is calling us to. Look in the same, in, in, the, in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. It is speaking of the life of Jesus. It says, For while being reviled, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. Look what He did. It says that when He was reviled, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats, He didn't say, wait until my lawyers get hold of you. I mean, turn the whole thing around. This is so contrary to our nature. Look back in Luke chapter 6. Again, Luke expands upon this entire concept in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, we're going to be reading from verse... 27. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Look what he says. He turns the whole thing around. He says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. You know, I was meditating on this portion one day, and this was a portion that we memorized as a family. And, and, and this entire portion uh, uh, from 27 through, through... Actually, it was verses 1 through 37. Or 1 through 38, we had memorized as a family. And I was memorizing this portion. And I remember that, that I... I was driving to work and I pulled out in front of a car and he was really, really upset with me that I came in front of him. It, it was, I just absolutely invaded his space. And so he laid on his horn quite, quite a long time. And he gave me a universal sign with his hand. But not just with one of his hands, with both of his hands. And I remember looking back in my mirror and thinking, how can the man be honking his horn and driving and doing that with both of his hands? It was really quite amazing. And as I was driving, I, was, I had been memorizing this verse, which I had often did as, as I would drive to work. I would work on scripture memorization. And I was memorizing this very verse. And God was calling me to bless him. And I started to pray for him. And I said, Lord, bless that man. Bless him richly. Lord, I pray you'd bless his life. And God started working in my heart to bless that man. Because he was just following behind me for this extended distance with his hands continually in that position. And so I was just praying for him. And even to this day, when I think about that, it reminds me to pray for him. To bless him. Because it says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. It turns the entire thing around. And this is what Jesus calls us to. It was no coincidence that that should happen the very moment that I'm memorizing this verse. This is what He calls us to. And guess what? You will be called 
sons of God if you learn to walk in this way. Because the world does not walk like this. Because our own hearts are not like this. They are not like this at all. Our hearts do not flow in this way. And Jesus calls us to something different. You want to be a disciple? This is what He calls us to. He calls us to live our lives differently. And it says, you will then be called the children of God. You will be called sons of God. People will see some difference in your life. Somebody sends you some snappy email, just return back. God bless you. You know, I've, I've said that to people and they'll snap back at me with an email saying, uh, bless yourself. You know, but anyway, God calls us to respond with, with some blessing instead of a curse. This is what He calls us to. This is our response. And in the end, you will be called sons of God. A lot of times you will hear in the business place, in the workplace, people rising up and coming with things that you didn't deserve to hear. They may have had a bad day. They really might have. Maybe, you know, they were going out of the house and their little infant vomited on them, which really happens when you have babies, doesn't it? You know, the kids throw up all over you as you, you, you're just going out, you know, to work. Things happen in life. And if you bless and do not curse, you will see that it will turn the whole thing around. You know, C.S. Lewis says that, that we are to rejoice. How do you rejoice in another's good? So in other words, you rejoice, he says, for the other person when they receive something good. Rejoice for them as much as you would for yourself. And I have found that this makes for such richness in the workplace. So that when I see one of my colleagues win some big award... I send them this message. I say, congratulations. I am so happy for you. You so deserve this. And I'm so happy for you. It couldn't have happened to a better person. And I rejoice with you. You say, well, that's normal. Everybody should do that. Well, everybody doesn't do that. You know what happens in a competitive workplace? It's like, well, I should have gotten that award. And it turns the whole thing back on ourselves. And if you rejoice and get in the pattern of rejoicing for the other as much as you would for yourself, it binds your heart together with that person and that person will never forget the gracious response that you have given. Jesus turns the whole thing around. And let's turn back to Matthew chapter 5 and continue on from there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are, are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, people tell me all oh, the persecution that I underwent. And I'm thinking, you're still standing. I mean, scriptural persecution is that you should be shredded. You should just be full of blood and just crawling and saying, oh, the persecution. But you're standing there. We don't know what persecution is in this society. We really do not. If someone says, well, I'm offended by what you said about Jesus. I mean, we're all, oh, I can't believe what they said to me. 
Do you know how much that hurt? Oh, Jesus, I was just trying to share and they've gotten offended by that. I mean, this is too much to bear. You see what I mean? We're really wimpy, aren't we? We really are. I mean, somebody says one little thing to me and I want to suck my thumb and go and cry on Shireen's shoulder. Compared to scriptural persecution, we go through nothing. None of you have gone through anything as far as persecution. You say, oh, well, if you are sitting here alive, you have not undergone scriptural persecution. If you're alive, you haven't gone through it, unless you've been stoned to death and risen up. All right? You don't know what it is. Really, you're in kindergarten when it comes to this sort of stuff. He says, he says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So you say, well, I should receive a blessing because somebody insulted me. No, it says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It's digital. You've got to have all three before you get the blessing. You know, if all you've had is insults, you haven't gotten your blessing yet. All right, blessed are you when you get the insults and the persecution and the evil talk because of your witness for Jesus. So you still got a ways to go. And I still have a ways to go before I get the real blessing. That blessing, none of us have attained it yet. We have to continue to work at this. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In the context of persecution and witness for His name, He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You know when we feel most trampled underfoot by men? When we're really timid in our witness. When we're really timid in our witness. You know what happens on the campus that I have seen? Very few colleagues will oppose me. Because when they oppose me, I'll put another ad in the newspaper. You know, I'll talk more about Jesus. But to those who only speak up a little bit, people jump all over them. When you become, when you lose your saltiness, you're trampled underfoot by men. That's what the scriptures say. But when you're bold about your saltiness, they leave you alone. Because they're afraid to turn you on. They're afraid to get you riled up again. Because you're going to go at it again and start talking more and more about Jesus. When people start saying things, I think, oh, I need to do this all the more. I've got their attention. It's when we become tasteless that we get trampled underfoot by men. Jesus said, when you lose your saltiness, when you're no longer different than the world, when all you're able to say is, I'm a Christian. What was that? I'm a Christian. 
when you never speak it up loud enough for people to hear, when you never let your witness enough, you know what happens? You get stepped on. You get trampled underfoot by men. If you take that light of Jesus and you put it under a basket, you will set the house on fire. It is good for nothing anymore. Jesus said, it is good for nothing. When your salt becomes tasteless, we become tasteless as believers. And we get trampled underfoot by men. When our witness for Jesus is not bold, is when we get trampled underfoot by men. When your witness for Jesus is bold, you don't get trampled underfoot. It lights the world on fire. Not your own house. It's when we are timid that people beat us up. In this society, when we are timid, we get beat up for our faith. When you're open about your faith, actually, people begin to pull back. They say, this is a superpower here. We just don't want to mess with them. You give them the shock and awe. (laughs) You talk about Jesus all the more. Or else you get beat up. Verse 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, unless heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the law shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We covered this last time. Jesus was again and again approached by the Pharisees to fulfill the Mishnah, the commandments written by men around the commandments of God. 613 commandments given to Moses. Jesus fulfilled every one of them. But he refused to fulfill the thousands of commandments that had been written around every one of those 613 commandments. And we covered some of those last time. And he said that he would fulfill everything in the law, and he did. And because of that, you and I no longer live under those laws. You know, I see believers, they say, oh, we have to refrain from eating pork. I said, so when did you become Jewish? You don't have to refrain from eating pork. If you want to refrain from eating pork because it's not the best thing for you, fine. But it does nothing for you spiritually, absolutely nothing. And these people think, oh, you know, it keeps myself pure. It does nothing for your purity. Absolutely nothing. Your flesh is still as indulgent as it ever had been. And what's come in is a bunch of pride. Some people say, well, you've got to be vegetarians. You know, because that's the perfect way. Because, you know, before the fall, people were vegetarians. Well, after the fall, they weren't. And Jesus wasn't a vegetarian. And it says in the book of Acts that God told Peter, a Jew, arise, kill and eat. Now, if you don't want to eat pork, that's fine. But as soon as you start putting that upon other people, that's legalism. You do whatever you want for yourself. I personally do not drink alcohol. But I do not put that upon you. Because there is no scriptural basis against drinking alcohol. 
there is a scriptural basis against getting drunk. And so I'll, I'll put that upon you, because the scriptures itself put that upon us as believers. But this is the decision that I have made for my own life. But that's for my own life. Jesus already fulfilled those commandments, so we are no longer under them. The New Testament has 150 commandments in the New Testament. Roughly 150. We would be kept quite busy just fulfilling those. I don't need other people's other commandments put upon me. Playing cards. You can play all the cards you want. You know, Jim was pointing out, he came into our house and, and there was a deck of cards there. And Ben was playing with this deck of cards. And Jim was saying, wasn't it the Baptist who used to be against the playing of cards? Because on the back side of this deck, it was from Second Baptist Church. <laughs> Baptist churches now are giving out decks of cards. There is nothing in the scriptures against smoking. There is not. And you say, well, you're, it says your body is the temple of, your, of the Holy Spirit and you shouldn't do anything to hurt this temple. Well, then, why are you eating muffins? They're not particularly good for you. You know how much fat is in those muffins? You know, so if you want to get on, on that, that you, know, you should only eat what's good for your body, there's a whole lot of things that you, you can start claiming. Smoking is just stupid. It's just stupid, but it is not sinful. It's just stupid. And so you would be well advised not to smoke. Not because it's going to make your spirit bad, but it makes your breath bad and you smell. But you see, we are no longer under these commandments. Jesus freed us from all these silly commandments. And I guarantee you, you will meet people in your life that say, oh, you've really got to refrain from eating this. And, you know, I refrain from eating this, and it has changed my life. Well, how, how long have you been doing that? For four weeks. Oh, really? And your life has so changed in four weeks. You're a new man. Give me a break. I mean, these people, you, you'll find that they go through these fads. They go and they come, and they go and they come. They're a vegetarian one week, you know, they're... They're a vegan the next week. They're this and that. And it, and it just goes and it comes and there's these passing fads. We are not under it. And remember, the Scriptures say it does nothing for our indulgent flesh. Some people in some religions, they beat their back with chains as if it's going to do something for their self-indulgence. It does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. It doesn't free us from any of this. So remember, you will see people coming and going, and Christians in particular. You know, when I, when I meet Christians like this, and they, 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 they say these silly things, you know, about foods and everything, the Scriptures say that there are not many wise, there are not many noble. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And I say, God, here's an example. <laughs> Obviously, they are believers, but they are really foolish. It's like when people say that, that uh, uh, they're part of the, the ten lost tribes of Israel. I mean, and, and, and they only have that part right. They are lost. <laughs> but as far as them being part of the ten lost tribes of Israel. So you will see these even in the Christian community. But be not, you know, swayed by them. Jesus fulfilled everything in this Old Testament that needs to be fulfilled. Everything. 
Did you know that we are no longer under the Old Testament commandments, even the Ten Commandments? You say, oh, well, all of the Ten Commandments are embodied in New Testament commandments, the 150 commandments in the New Testament, except the commandment of the Sabbath day. So all the commandments in the Ten Commandments are re-given to us in the New Testament, except our need to refrain from work on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday and not Sunday. Alright? So, we're free from that. However, to have a Sabbath rest is not a bad thing. To take a day off is not a bad thing. But it's not going to make you more righteous. It may give you a little bit more rest. You may work better on the six days. But it doesn't make you better standing with God. We are free from these things. And that's what Jesus said. Heaven and earth won't pass away until all of this is fulfilled. And they were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And plus, none of us could ever fulfill them all anyway. And no Jew could ever fulfill them all because two-thirds of those 613 revolve around temple. Revolve around the temple and the sacrifices in those temple, in that temple. And the temple no longer exists. So if we had to fulfill those 613, we are in big trouble. And, G- and, and Paul says... If you have failed in one of them, you are guilty of them all. That's what the Scriptures say. So in other words, if it weren't for the mercy of Jesus Christ giving us victory because of His death on the cross, we would be in big trouble. So let yourselves not be troubled about all these things that will come your way in your life. And you'll see all these passing fads and, you know, in the different years to come, there's going to be all these other things that are going to come upon you they're going to confront you and say, good Christians do this. Well, I'll be a scriptural Christian. I am freed from the law. I am absolutely freed from it. And if it's not a New Testament commandment, we are truly free from it. Now, some things are just downright stupid, and so we might be well advised not to do them, but they'll do nothing for us, particularly spiritually. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Father, thank You that You have called us to be different in our lives. And Father, I pray that You take these young people here and You cause them to walk in an attitude where they do not return insult for insult, but they will return a blessing rather than a curse. Father, that You would cause them to be called the sons of God because of the way they respond. Father, I pray that they would speak words of mercy when the world is piling on to somebody because of something that they have done that is wrong. Father, I pray that you would take these young ones and have them have different lives, that they would just utter a word of mercy and say, God, have mercy on that man. God, have mercy on that woman. And in that, then, receive a hundred thousand fold over just overflowing into their laps. Mercy. Father, thank You for the pattern of sowing and reaping. Cause these young ones, I pray, to walk in being able to receive all the goodness that You have. And Father, I thank You that You call us to be witnesses for You. And Father, I pray that these young ones here would not become tasteless in their lives and so become trampled underfoot by men, by this world, and be defeated Christians. 
But Father, I pray that you would cause them to be bold in their witnesses and rejoice and be glad when they are insulted and persecuted. And Father, I pray that you would keep them free from being tossed about by every wind and wave of human doctrine that's going to come their way in their lives. Father, that they would walk according to what you have called them to. And I pray your blessing be upon them. Father, thank you for your mercies. Bless them richly, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.